Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full See My Head. I'm your host, Zoe, with my other guy over there on the other side, Mr. Angel Cantu. How's it doing? How's it going? Well, as of right now, when we're recording, the Astros are going into extra innings with Yiner Diaz hitting that clutch single up the middle to bring in Kyle Tucker. So it's 1-1 extra innings right now. But other than that, I mean, the Astros have been doing great this homestand so far. Um, picking game both them games against uh, Josiah Gray and Patrick Corbin. Um, I mean, it was a pitching duel with Mackenzie Gore and Christian Javier. But other than that, I mean, they already secured the series. They're just looking to add on to the sweep. So we'll keep you updated if they score and win. And if they don't, then we'll continue to update you as well. But Angel, give me that one word. Describe the series so far, how the Astros are doing against the Nationals. I would say ameliorate, which means making a, making something bad better. Like the the road series, you know, that road stand they had was not so pretty. And now they're at home and they played well. They played good. Um, it was against the Nationals, but hey, they're still a baseball team. They still have professionals out there who are ready to compete, and they've made it close. Like for, uh, just like you said, they're going to extras today or yesterday, and it was a close game on Wednesday as well. So they put on a good show, but the Astros did play better. They're hitting. Even Martin Maranado, Jose Abreu, they stepped up huge this season. Uh, this series, the pitching was great. You said it was like a couple pitch uh, pitchers duel, and you know they need to win. Hopefully for Dusty. You know, it's his birthday. Happy birthday. So, happy birthday. I know they're in extras right now, but hopefully they happy, will. Happy 21st birthday to Dusty. <laughs> I mean, doesn't look any day older than 21. But like you were saying, dude, I mean, pitching has been doing great. Maldonado, um, I mean, big milestones. I, I don't know. I believe it was this series. Altuve with 1,000 runs. Um, Jose Abreu with 1,500 hits. Maldi. And Maldonado with uh, 100 home runs. So that that is a great achievement for those guys. But as of right now, the record is 39 and 29. Like I said, we'll, we'll continue to update you if the Astros win or lose. Uh, as of right now, there are three games back with the Texas Rangers being first. They just lost against the Angels. And real quick, I'll just give you an update with the standings before we start our shoutouts. Texas Rangers are right now 42 and 25. The Astros are 39 and 29, which they're still playing. We can see a change coming up soon. Um, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim 38 and 32, and the Seattle Mariners 33 and 34. So, this this division right now, it's it's pretty all packed together, seeing who's gonna take that number one spot. Of course, you gotta think about the AL East teams over there too, with the Rays, the Orioles, the Yankees. Um, this this year, right now, for the Astros, is gonna be tough for them to get into the postseason either through getting through the AL West division or going as a wild card spot. So as of right now, this is way before, you know, October we're in the month of June. We haven't even got to the all-star break yet, but we just want to make sure to let y'all know about the standings, what it is and what's going on so far, but real quick, yeah. let's go out with our shout outs. Oh, you want to add something yeah, real quick before we move on. And like we kind of told y'all this before the season even started, it's going to be a tough division this year. Like, Mm -hmm. teams got good. We said the Rangers were going to be good. We said the Mariners were going to be good. And we didn't even count out the Angels either. And it's starting to show now. Um, I think we did give a little bit more credit to the Mariners before the season started and a lot less to the Rangers. But, like, the Rangers came to play this year. And that's, you know, and that's kind of, like, what's been going on. It kind of gave me AOE's vibes, like how that division is stacked. And our division is pretty stacked, too, now. So, it's, I mean, it's going to be a tough battle. 
Yeah, a lot of divisions are stacked. Um, I mean, the NL East, the NL Central right now, which we'll be talking about the Reds soon. They're just one game back oh, wow. uh, from getting first. And then, of course, the NL West is just a pack, pack of teams, especially them baby D-backs out there in Arizona. But let's go with our shout-outs real quick from this Washington series. Uh, my first shout-out is going to be Jose Brady. This guy is hot right now, and that is a great sign for Astros fans because with Jordan shut down for a good while, we'll, we'll – talk about the updates in a minute he's gonna have to step up big time and right now he's looking like 2020 american league mvp jose abreu right now he's five for ten this series with one home run and four rbis um doesn't look like he missed a beat he's continuing to look good i mean his last seven games he's hitting over 350 um batting on base percentage slugging percentage everything is up the slash line looks great so that that's my shout out right there angel you got anything else to add with your shout out yeah just wait till that cuban connection starts you know, put, like putting stuff out there with Jordan and Abreu. That's gonna be fun to watch. Um, but give me Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown yeah. had a good bounce back, phenomenal outing. And we'll just start to say that open a little bit. Um, seven innings pitched, four hits, zero on runs, three walks, and four strikeouts. That was a quality start in the book, and he kept the Nats hitters off balance the entire time. Like it was, he looked great out there, and. The command was a little bit better. I think that's what we're uh, focusing on all season with Hunter Brown. Like every time he has been struggling, it's because of that. It's because of command issues. And, you know, yeah, three walks, but four hits. That's pretty impressive as well. Yeah, no one runs as well. And that that's our title of our show this episode 102. It's quality starts. I mean, Hunter Brown set the tone, getting that quality start. Uh, Framber Valdez follows, and then Christian Javier follows. Even though Framber didn't get the win, it's not looking like Javier's going to get the win either. But quality starts in the books for our starting pitchers, and that's a great sign for Astros fans out there. Yeah, um, that, uh, that Valdez, like, he should have gotten that win. I was like, yeah, 4 1. 4 1 score in the ninth inning. Uh, Presley hasn't been sharp lately, and that's kind of so okay, not good. I know we're going on a tangent here, but do you think? Abreu or somebody else needs to get safe opportunities because there, there's a great opportunity that we're going to be seeing somebody step up into that closers closing role. Um, I'm not panicking on Presley yet because it's too early in the season. We're getting to the mid middle part of the season, but it's a concern that we got to like as Astros pitching yeah, staff has to look at. Yeah. yeah. And you have to have it because I mean, his last five starts, I was looking at it uh, before we start, which I still have it right here. Um, the last five starts, he's at least earned, at least allowed an earned run. Um, June third, I mean, it's it's a good while back. June third, he allowed a run against the Angels. June nine against the Guardians, which the Astros should have won that game, but allowed that run to score. He he allowed that, uh, like I said, an earned run. And then guess uh, Tuesday's ball game against no Wednesday's ball game. Sorry about that. Uh, he allowed that earned run as well. So there, there's a great possibility. I wouldn't be shocked to see somebody at the end of the season kind of get into that closing role. But like I said, it's it just needs to – I mean, I'd rather have it get it now than later on when the season's already getting to the postseason. Yeah. And then, like I said, two more. Kyle Tucker, 6'4", 11, with a home run, RBI, and a walk. And then my last one got to go to Jake Myers' helmet. That helmet helped the Astros win that extra innings ball game. And everybody has always talked about uh, his helmets being too big as soon as he swings and 
misses, the helmet comes off, or if he's even running, that helmet comes off. But shout out to that helmet of Jake Myers out there because that's what allowed his head to be, you know, in stable condition. Nothing, thank God, nothing had happened to him. But get that win, of course. So that's our shout outs. A uh, quick update: Nationals just scored because of that ghost runner on second. It is a score of two to one Nationals. I know, me too. I don't like the ghost runner, but it's Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that rule. But moving on to Astros injury updates. As most of you may all know, um, update on Nats McCutter Jr. He is out for the season. And we don't know exactly when he'll be back in 2024. But here's just what they ha- Astros had to say. Um, Nats McCutter underwent surgery on Tuesday to repair the flexor tendon in his right forearm and remove a bone spur. McCutters will be out for the remainder of the year, but is expected to return at some point during the 2024 season. Now, beat writers asked um, Dana Brown about the situation, about about the situation, if there is any um, like contingency plan to get somebody at the day, at the trade deadline. And Dana Brown's more like right now, that's not the concern, the area of focus. And he cited that, um, early in the season, they said they're going to give the young guys an opportunity to prove themselves and get those innings in. And he also brought in a good point that even though Nats McCutters hasn't pitched all season, even though Luis Garcia is has been out for quite some time, and so has the KD, the Astros still rank number one in ERA. Like their pitching still yeah. pretty good. So that that was his point of focus of saying like right now. Uh, they're not panicking on, tr- on trying to make a trade out, you know, for a pitcher. And because of that, and he also mentioned something that was really bad. He was like, it's kind of hard to get a trade going because there's a lot of buyers out there. Like, yeah. Like, there's a lot of teams that are, especially with that a third edition wild card spot, like there's a lot of teams that are in the hunt, a lot of teams that are trying to find pitchers and there's not a lot of sellers. Like um, I would say the Tigers are a seller. The, Royals, maybe, uh, you know, A's teams. But other than that, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of buyers out there. So they're like, I know that's not concerned, but we'll, I know yeah. we kind of asked this question and we'll get a little bit more of y'all's point of view from uh, the cap or no cap, but that's just what Dan and Brown had to say. And then they also had an update on Jordan Alvarez. This is per China Rome. Alvarez has been diagnosed with the right oblique strain and is expected to be signed up for four plus weeks. Yeah. Um, it's another thing. So it's an oblique injury. And those are tricky. Like it's just basically rest and trying to get into the groove of things. But uh, another thing, uh, uh, Dana Brown did say they are exploring the option to get a lefty, like like a lefty hitter. So mm-hmm. they are exploring that option. Um, I mean, we'll see how that goes. And like I know we did mention Bellinger um, last podcast, but. Again, who knows what they'll do, but they are looking for options as well. So my question to you, uh, Zoe, is will Jordan be able to attend the All-Star game? What do you think? It's too hard to say, but I'm going to say no. Um, It's sad, too, because last year he was an All-Star and he didn't even get to attend because he was dealing with, I believe it was a thumb or the hand injury. And now this year with the oblique strain, they said four plus weeks. I wouldn't even risk it. I just let him stay home and relax and continue just to, you know, rice, rest, um, ice, you know, all that compression, elevate, 
if you didn't know that. But yeah, I, I don't see him attending the All Star game. I think it'd be too risky too if he if he's even ready for that time, because that second half of the season is going to be really crucial, especially with the teams that's going on. Like you were saying, with a third wild card spot, uh, the American League right now looks pretty stacked. There's going to be a lot of buyers, so I, I don't expect them to be up there in Seattle. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's just an exhibition game. Like yeah. There is no World Series meeting anymore where the winner gets home field advantage um, at the World Series, which I honestly thought was pretty cool because they made the game, you know, have some meaning instead of just, like, you know, going out there. But, again, there, I think Jordan's priority should be the Houston Astros, and I think it is, and I think the Astros will, like, will have a say in that as well. Um, update on Michael Brantley. Brantley is hitting in the cages and throwing pain-free and will ramp up his baseball activities as homestand. His progress over the next two weeks will clear up the timeline for his return. And I was actually there on the field, and I did see him on that Tuesday. He was out there on the field. I, um, I didn't really pay attention to what he was doing, but um, he was out there, you know, t- uh, taking some drills. And then update on Jose Akiti. Akiti's still throwing on flat ground, but will likely pitch off the mound. This homestand, once he begins throwing off the mound, the Ashes will have clear timeline for his return. So I did ask him, um, and, and, he, and he said he is feeling a lot better, and – you know, he said he's, like you said, like he's going to start throwing. So we'll see when uh, he starts coming back. And some interesting tidbits by Brian McTigard. So shout out to him. Uh, game started by Valdez or Javier. The Astros are 17 and 9. And game started by any other pitchers, 21 and 20. So um, this, I mean, that's kind of pretty obvious because that's yeah. our, those are our aces uh, or the Astros aces. Um, and, we're, and we have, and the Astros have rookies firing on, some other days so I mean but for the most part again like Dana Brown did say they are number one in pitching so that you know it's um, things are still looking pretty good for them yeah it's gonna be interesting uh, to see how it goes down uh, because the trade deadline is gonna be in July the end of July and like you had said before and we've said it already that there's gonna be a lot of teams buying Um, Rangers for instance Angels for instance I'm pretty sure the Yankees as well um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams trying to find a way to get their club better to be able to reach that goal of going to the postseason and the inevitable goal of getting to the World Series and winning it. And the Astros right now, like you were saying, 17-9, and nine, Valdez and Javier, and other starting pitchers is 21-20. Shout out to them guys, though, uh, Brandon Bielak and J.P. France. I think Hunter Brown is had set himself to be in that rotation if we get into the postseason but they're gonna have to go get somebody they're gonna have to because i'm not i'm not gonna be comfortable with a brandon belak going on the mound a game two or game three start um you know if if we rank the highest uh, and the astros are gonna have to go to let's say seattle like how it was last year and face that crowd i mean that's i think it's gonna be brutal you know, some pitchers are built for it. Some pitchers aren't. And I'm not too sure if those guys are, but I'd rather be safe at least to get one starting pitcher, I'd say. You see, but I don't think B-Lag would be the game three. For example, this is like, you know, hypothetically speaking, once, yeah. uh, once we get, uh, once he actually gets to the World Series, like they should have Rikidi back if he stays healthy. Um, if he stays healthy. Yeah, that's it, the big key word right there. Because exactly. that show, I mean, shoulder inflammation could just come and go too. You got to yeah, think right. about that. So, right. But like in a perfect world, it would be, um, it would be Framberg game one, then it would be uh Javier game two or Keaty game three, and then with it, depending if, if they go with that four star, it'll be uh Hunter Brown, and then you got France to be like coming out the bullpen. So, I mean, like, and and I kind of see like that 
that's what the Astros mm-hmm. I, I feel like are picturing in their minds, and that's why they're not rushing for a shiny pitcher because they were like, yeah, like when they get to play, I was like, we're they, they're still pretty good. Like what they're thinking is like we still got a chance, you know. So I think that's I think that's what their mindset is. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens um, when it gets closer to July after the All-Star game. That's probably going to be a clearer picture for everybody to see. Uh, Astros update, they are losing now 4-1. to one. Uh, Phil Maton was struggling with command. Keeper Ruiz got a single, and then Maton had walked uh, Corey Dickerson. I guess it was bases loaded at the time. So 4-1 uh, Nationals with two outs, and Matt Gage is up on the plate. Not the plate, the, the bump. Sorry about that. But let's talk about our preview against the Cincinnati Reds coming into H-Town, 34 and 35. Like I said, they're third in the NL Central. Um, they're not too far back in that in the in the second spot of that division in the Central with the Pirates and the Brewers. Um, we had said one game back from first place. So that Central's up for grabs. But Cincinnati, too, bringing a lot of excitement with these young prospects. Um, Ellie De La Cruz being one. Uh, a pitcher we're going to be talking about, Andrew Abbott's another, Matt McClain. There, there's a lot of young stars in the makings over there in Cincinnati, and that's a lot of hope for Cincinnati Reds fans in Ohio. Uh, a and 10, their last 10 games, and it's the weekend, so you know, Astros are going to have the Friday Night Fireworks. Saturday is Jeremy Pena, Hard Hands, Bobblehead, and Sunday is Father's Day. I believe they're giving out a beach tote, but they do have a Father's Day uh, add-on that is a charger that looks pretty cool if you haven't seen it it does so i mean fathers out there let your wives know let your girls know out there go get it anyway friday get the matchup going 710 jp france two and one with a 354 era versus andrew abbott like i was saying he is two and oh with a zero era and france in his last outing against cleveland uh six and two thirds seven hits three and runs six walks six strikeouts we had said he had throw a career high in pitches with 105 um this time i'm going to be looking for control and command against the cincinnati reds like you i was saying the stats six walks that's kind of unacceptable and he got the w out of that game right there and the astros offense was hot during that game so i'm looking for the looking for him to control his command that's all i really got to say about france and he'll be going against Andrew Abbott on the other side. Last out at St. Louis, five and two thirds, five hits, zero earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts. His first outing versus Milwaukee, six innings, one hit, zero earned runs, four walks, six strikeouts. He has a decent walk rate from them two outings, four walks, three walks. You never know. But let's see that four pitch arsenal from him. Four seam fastball is going to be 54.8% of the time. Average is 92 to 93 miles per hour. Curveball 21% with a 28-28 spin rate. That's pretty damn good. Um, we're getting the RPMs right there. You got the changeup 16.2%. Average is 85 to 87. And then he has a sweeper of 8.1%. Averaging about 81 to 83 miles per hour. So, Angel, what's going to be the keys for the Astros lineup to attacking Abbott and possibly handing his first loss as a rookie this season? I would say uh, jump on that fastball. Um, he throws it a lot, like you said. Um, out of all his pitches in his past, and it's only two starts, he's thrown 115 fastballs. Wow. And the next closest pitch is a curveball, and he's only thrown it 44 times. So jump mm-hmm. on that fastball. He likes throwing it high and inside and then kind of low in the strike zone. He's trying to throw, uh, try to throw hitters off. So, see, jump on that fastball. I mean, he doesn't throw it that fast. I think his average is about 92 miles per hour. Yeah. So, 
it's not like Hunter Green that you're gonna talk about next who throws it a, a hundred. Like so, yeah, I think yeah. It, yeah. So if you, I feel like the Astros jump on that fastball and just be patient on the off speed, uh, th- things will go to plan. But that is again, it's easier said than done. That is the <laughs> Reds' uh, top prospect. Uh, I, I think he's ranked number ten for them. So mm-hmm. you know, um, he and he's looked good so far. So that's my game plan. Yeah, two zero zero ERA. Gets a good team like St. Louis and Milwaukee too. Um, I mean, that's pretty good. And but he's gonna be facing a different beast with the Astros having a good lineup without Jordan Alvarez still. But anyway, Saturday, three ten start time. You got Brandon Belak on the mound, six five two thirty six ERA versus Hunter Green with a one four four zero one ERA. I don't think Brandon Belak is two thirty six. I have to double check that. Uh, but his last outing against Cleveland, it was a very rough. Of course, he didn't have the starters and the hitters that he wanted in the lineup. I believe it was only. Kyle Tucker and maybe Jose Abreu. That's when all the subs came in because of that early start time in Cleveland. Roughed up in his last two starts in June, has given up 19 hits and eight earned runs. And I was seeing in May he had six starts, well, five starts, but with that one relief when Luis Garcia had gotten hurt, he allowed 34 hits and 11 earned runs in six starts. Well, you know, six appearances, we'll say. And now these two starts in June, giving up 19 hits and eight earned runs. Uh, that's a big, big difference maker right there. It's not a good start for him. But seeing hopefully that he does good against a team like the Cincinnati Reds, who, they're I mean, they're not bad, but at the same time, too, it's a good team to take advantage of. And then you got Hunter Green on the other hand, like you were saying, throws triple digits. Um, good pitcher for them. Last outing at St. Louis, five and a third, six hits, three earned runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. He has been dealing his last three appearances on the bump. Uh, like I said, it's been tremendous for him. And if you combine them three starts, 17 and a third, eight hits, four earned runs, seven walks, 28 strikeouts. Uh, one of those starts, he had a no hitter going against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley. So, they got to adjust. That's why I'm going to say right here, adjust the second go around. The second time around the lineup, you have to adjust. Of course, that first time around, it's brand new. You never see Hunter Green. After that first time around the lineup, second time, you got to adjust. First time through the lineup, he is a, has a 230 ERA, 25 hits, 7 earned runs, 10 walks. Second time through the lineup, 612 ERA. Giving up 26 hits, 17 earned runs, 10 walks. And the third time through the lineup, he has a 360 ERA, 12 hits, 6 earned runs, 6 walks. So that's why I say adjust the second time around. You, he just said it right there, 612 ERA, 17 earned runs. Got to attack that second time around against Hunter Green, especially a good pitcher that he's been pitching these last three appearances. So Astros are going to have to do that. And then Sunday... Last game against the Reds, 110. You got Hunter Brown on the mound. And he will be going against Luke Weaver, who's one and two with a 623 ERA. Hunter Brown's last out, and we had talked about it. Well, Angel, you have talked about it. I mean, he was lights out, quality start, uh, seven innings strong, four hits, no earned runs. Luke Weaver, he's been a veteran. He's been pitching since 2016. Last outing at KC, four and two thirds, five hits, three earned runs, four walks, three strikeouts in the month of june which he only has two starts under his belt he has yet to go a full five innings uh the start against the dodgers at cincinnati he went three and two thirds throwing 86 pitches and then his last start 
against the Kansas City Royals, four and two thirds, 93 pitches. Another thing is with him, he struggled on the road. He's not a guy that likes to be on the road. He'd rather be at home at Cincinnati with that lake in the background. 519 ERA, 32 hits, 15 earned runs, four home runs, nine walks. He gives up an opponent batting average of 308. And I think the Astros lineup is just going to love this number away from since not since it's Bank Park, uh, Great American Ball Field over there, or Great American Ballpark. Sorry about that. He against left handed hitters, 326 batting average, 651 slugging percentage. And with the right handed hitters, he has a 295 batting average with a 410 uh, slugging percentage. So, Angel, what do you think about Hunter Brown? You think he's going to continue on adjusting and being able to uh, continue on what he did against the Washington Nationals? I believe so. Um, as long as he can command his uh, pitches again, that's been the real big uh, topic for him. Um, throughout this season and I think he can pick it up and continue making a case for American League rookie of the year. Yeah, I think he can. I mean he's been pretty pitching pretty well. He did he did have that good month of April pitching and he didn't win rookie of the month that month. I remember it was Josh Jung, which Josh Jung has been doing a great job this year for the Texas Rangers. Um final update on yesterday's score, Wednesday score. The Astros lose four to one against the Nationals. They are three games back um in the AL West. So that's my update and that's the preview for the Cincinnati Reds. Now it's time for our pitching offensive MVPs and our hot take. So that's Homestead I had Valdez as my pitching MVP, which turned out really good. Corey Jokes was my offensive. I think he only played twice this series and didn't really do so hot. And the offense will out hit the Nationals. I didn't look at the numbers, but I think they did. So <laughs> we'll count it. Yeah, I, I think they are because I'm, I'm looking right now. Um, Nationals had 11 hits yesterday. Astros had seven. But, I mean, the Astros out hit on the first game and the second game. So you should be good. There you go. All right. So let's count it. So this week I have to roll with the hottest Cuban on the block, Jose Abreu. It's gonna be my offensive MVP jumping on the bat, uh, on that wagon real quick, and then my pitching MVP is gonna be Hunter Brown again. How we just stated, I think he has a great chance to replicating what he did this last homestand, and he's and he's gonna do it for his pops out there on Father's Day. So, um, yeah, I like it. And then my hot take is that Astros will hit a home run every game this uh, this homestand and or this series. It's gonna be pretty hard again. Um, Reds are are turning things around and they have pretty good pitching. So, but I, I didn't think they can do it. Yeah, they. I mean, they're fine for the NL Central now. One game back, like we were talking about. I'm, they're going to be firing in all cylinders. But with me, I had Jose Abreu and I had Hunter Brown, which you basically will take for this coming series. And they did not let me down. And my hot take was Astros will take the series against the Nats, which they did. I said possibly sweep. They didn't. They had a chance, but oh, half point. Just kidding. Nah, I, I said possibly <laughs> sweep. So I, I think I'm good there. But I'm three for three on that one. Felt good coming back with three for three. But it's a new weekend series. It's a new series. Friday night fireworks, beers on ice, food being good and delicious out there. Nachos, supreme nachos, whatever you get at the ballpark. Anyway, here I go. Offensive MVP. I'm gonna go with Kyle Tucker. I mean, he did pretty good this past series. Against the Nats, I'm looking for him to continue on to have a hot stretch. Last seven games, he hasn't been 
hitting too well. I think he's hitting maybe under 250 or just around 250. So I'm looking for that to continue staying hot in this Cincinnati series. Pitching MVP, I got to give it to J.P. France. Like you're saying, Father's Day is Sunday, but Father's Day weekend. I think this is his first or second Father's Day because of his new, um, because of his son Liam. The stashes are going to be all out in Minute Maid Park. Uh, you know me, I'm, I'm a stand with JP France. I, I like I like that guy. Being able to interview him was pretty cool. And then my hot take: Reds will only score a total of six earned runs against Astros starting pitchers. And remind you, huh? To a game. It could be to a game. It could be, you know, just as long as it's a total of six earned runs. I think it'd be good. And reminding you who's who's pitching. It's not the Christian Javier's. It's not the Framber Valdez's. It is the Brandon Belak's, the J.P. Francis, and the Hunter Brown. So I think the Astros have a great chance of doing it. I think they have a good chance of taking the series against the Cincinnati Reds. I like it. I like it. So guess what time is it? What is Around it? the league time. So Let's do it. Um, starting off with what's firing hot in Houston, Washington's manager Dave Martinez disagrees with an obstruction codec. First, I want to say that Dave Martinez is one of is one of the great uh, great managers. He's a really stand up guy. He's like, um, I feel like he's like that quiet teacher mentor. But when he's really passionate about something, he just starts, you know, uh, you know, firing up and. I do agree with him that there needs to be some consistency on that play, but I think this was more of a young nationals team because on that play, like you're always taught either inside or outside, right? Like Mm -hmm. you never throw it on the line because of what we saw, right? Uh, Where Myers gets hit. And what I'm thinking from Reese's point of view is he saw Myers on the grass, right? So mm-hmm. instead of, and they're already thinking uh, outside, right? And he's not on the mm-hmm. grass. So what he tried to do is, ch- is change it to like, all right, he's on the grass. I'm going to throw it at the bag and, you know, so you can get the out. But at that point, I felt like if you would have just thrown it outside and it hits Myers outside, then that's obstruction because he's outside the baseline. So, like, yeah. so the, that's just again like the the Washington Nationals being a young team, you know there's gonna be a lot of growing pains and because where Myers ended up on the base pass and that ball hit, he's down the line. So I mm-hmm. um, I can't confidently say that's an obstruction call because again they're both right down the line. But if Myers would have been on the grass or on the foul territory and the ball hits him, then I would just say yeah that's obstruction. What like what are your thoughts? Well, Myers was on the on the outside of the line. If you look at it, he was almost on the freaking grass, yeah. but he gets back in the line. And I, I think either mid or inside the line. And I think if Kibber Ruiz, throws a good throw because he threw it literally right by his head and Chavis face. didn't. Yeah. And Chavis didn't even have a good chance of catching it. And I just think of David Martinez from the 2019 world series. When Trey Turner got called out for that obstruction call when he was running a first, and I think that's what brought back Martinez's mind. He's like, hey, you caught our guy out about, what, three years ago, four years ago. And now it's the same scenario right here with the Astros this time being the runners, and you don't call an out. And you it's, crazy call how the baseball, it's crazy how the baseball guys work. Yeah, exactly. So um, I do agree, though, with him. There has to be some type of consistency. Maybe like you were saying, it, it's because they're a young ball club, but at the same time, too, that doesn't matter. I mean, you got to – got to stick to the rules i i believe really strong about 
with stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, like Vamri's in, like in that situation. I'm throwing it where he's running. So if it hits him and he's on the grass, we get the out, right? But yeah. if it moves out the way, your first baseman's there to make the catch, you know. So it's just like you know, like if it hits him in the back, that's on him. You know, he should have been running on the grass. But you know, it's just again just growing pains as a young team. Um, now, this is coming news from Oakland. The Ace fans do a reverse boycott. So the reason why the Ash, I mean, the A's want to move and what management is blaming them is that no one's showing up, right? Um, but I agree with the fans in here. Like, they're not showing up because the, like, boxers not not setting themselves up to win. Like, they traded Sean Murphy. They traded Olsen. They traded Chapman. They traded, you know, all of these. They traded a lot of good guys, yeah, dude. Simeon, Hendricks. Yeah. They had a lot of talent over there. In yeah. Oakland. And I'm sure they had the potential to do um, something, right? But then they mm-hmm. were like, no, we don't want to be here anymore. We want a new stadium. We want to go to Las Vegas. So what the fans did is more than 27,000 fans showed up uh, to the um, – up to show Major League Baseball that the fans are not the problem, right? And it's the mm-hmm. management is the issue. And while that's going on, Nevada's governor signed the $380 million bill to help bring Oakland to A's, well, the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. So yeah. things aren't getting <laughs> really settled in. But, you know, like, but I'm with the Oakland fans here. Like, it, like it yeah. kind of sucks because there's so much history there. Ricky Henderson, there's um, three World Series titles. Like, there's a lot of history there. History. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to give it the boot like that to move to Las Vegas, that's kind of that's kind of heart-wrenching. Yeah, Dave Stewart, Reggie Jackson, Dennis Eckersley, Catfish. Raleigh Fingers, Catfish Hunter. Yeah. Um, I mean, even from the Moneyball, they made a movie about them on Moneyball. So, I mean, like you're saying, they have a lot of history over there. Maybe because they're tired of getting possums in the visitors broadcast booth. Maybe that could be a potential why they're moving away from Oakland. But I agree with you, dude. I agree with the fans too. Um, stand up what they believe for. They raised over, what, $5,000 to make 5,000 shirts or something like that, which is pretty remarkable. Um, if I, I didn't even get to see that, if I was able to see that, I would have donated at least something, or maybe even buy a shirt too, because uh, you got to be with them. You got to feel for them too. They just lost um, the the Warriors. They were in Oakland, but then they relocated San Francisco. Raiders. Oakland Raiders now in Las Vegas. Um, there, I believe, I think it was Bryce Harper or somebody had said, I'm not 100% sure, so don't call me on this, but somebody had said, that if they do move to Las Vegas, which it's looking like uh, about good 80%, that they should not bring the A's name over oh, there, maybe to change the team name. And I agree. I, I think you should because you're leaving a historic like historic mark over there in Oakland being the athletics. I think, yeah, it, it's, it's gut-wrenching because I really feel for them fans. The only thing I didn't like was seeing a video of fans – Throwing stuff oh, yeah. onto the field. And that yeah. you know, I do know the frustration. Yeah, it was very uncalled for. Uh, I do know the frustration and everything like that because Astros fans had gone through that when they were losing 111 games. Um, nobody was showing up to the park. Literally, the you could buy a ticket to the 400 section for and you dollar, could go man. all the way down. Yeah, for a good four dollars, five dollars. So yes, we do know your frustration out there, but the relocation part we do not understand. That that's the most hurtful part about it but yeah i mean i'm with oakland it sucks that 
they did throw stuff because, of course, you have the custodians having to yeah. clean that out. And, you know, already through their day, they're going to have to clean out the whole stadium. But feel for fans in Oakland, man. I'm really hoping they something happens really positive for them. But shout out to the players. They, they've played time. Yeah. They took two out of three. Seven games, seven game winning streak. We didn't even mention that either. Yes, seven game winning streak. And they took two out of three against, uh, I'm sorry, against four games. No, they took two out of three, right? Against uh, Tampa? Yeah, I guess Tampa, yeah, they so, did win the series. Which is the best team in baseball at the moment. And the A's as the worst team. Like, oh, no, not the worst team anymore. The Royals are. The Royals are now. So, yeah. you know, so I want to shout out them players for sticking strong through this bizarre situation, unwanted situation. They're still, you know, putting up, like, doing their best out there. Again, like, they gave yeah. the, the Ashes a run for their money when they were here. So, you know, they're um, you know, they're pretty good. Um the next is, and you know, another New York team has a pitcher suspended for sticky stuff, like again. So this time the Mets, which is the second time I think uh, we got remembered Max Scherzer's um, um, getting ejected, and he was, uh, he, I think, he kind of blew up a little bit after that. So <laughs> Mets pitcher Drew Smith is, is suspended ten games due to six uh, sticky something that was found on his hands. He was ejected before throwing a pitch when he came out the bullpen. Usually when the players come out the bullpen, the umpires check their hands and to make sure they're good to go. According to the umpires, both hands were really sticky. So th- this is the surprising thing because if, you know, you're a pitcher, there's no re- there's no reason for, ha- like, for you to have your glove hand unless you're going to get it, like, from the glove side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Smith states it was sweat and rosin. So it's that conversation again. Um, of you know who's basically who's telling the truth, right? Is it really here, here we go again? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, what's the standard here? So again, any thoughts on that? I mean, you, it sucks because you have an MLB official going from the bull. I mean, you have one in the bullpen. I'm pretty sure you got one in the dugout. I'm pretty sure you got one in the clubhouse too to make sure these guys are doing and following the protocols and things like that. But this is, I think, this is either the third or fourth Mets pitcher. That has been caught with sticky substance. I think I mean, it's the two, this is the second. I, well, or something with New York. Like you were saying, New York has been the biggest problem with this because I mean the Yankees with Domingo Herman and I believe another player, I'm not too sure, but even the Mets too as well. I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, sweat and rosin's really nothing wrong with it. Maybe the maybe MLB needs to be more stricter about the about the rule on that. But it's very unfortunate. You know what? I think the New York team's in like a little dome stadium to eliminate all that excessive sweat in the bullpen. A lot, a lot of teams need to kind of put their money into bringing. Hey, dome uh, speaking of dome stadiums, you know that the AFC South is going to be like one of the first uh, divisions to have a dome stadium. We're talking about NFL now. We got hey, NFL coverage with Angel Cantu. It's a fun fact. <laughs> in the near future, I think yeah. uh, Jacksonville. Isn't gonna make a new stadium or something, so that'd be pretty cool. God, I, I just love your little bits that you come up with. If it's not fantasy baseball, it's now it's NFL coverage with you. It's so cool. There ain't nothing wrong with it, but you know, we love having fun on here. But our last, yeah, our last segment coming up. I think everybody's been waiting for this. You got the cap and no cap. So, of course, you got your cap, no cap baseball theme kind of game that we're doing here. Cap means that you're lying and we don't agree. No cap is we okay. We we do agree with this. I I I feel like comfortable going with this statement. So our first one going at Cole Clark on Twitter. This is on Twitter. We got a man, Angel. We got to get an Instagram going. I just thought about yeah. that right now. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, we'll get that going soon. Anyway, Cole Clark. Jokes is on the move, probably. Jake has gained Dusty's trust in center field again, and he remains the primary center fielder. Chaz is going to be the utility outfielder. Angel, are we capping or no capping on this one? This is hard because I think Dusty really likes Corey Jokes as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, Jake has had the most time in center field, so I would say no cap. I think, you know, if one of the three outfielders is going to move, I think, unfortunately, Jokes is an odd man out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I got no cap on this one because Jokes ha- is really hitting the ball. He's really done great uh, this season being a Major League Baseball player. This kind of gets an upper hand for the Astros. If they do want to make a trade package with him for the deadline, he could probably go get some more playing time somewhere else, like, for instance, Detroit or Pittsburgh or Kansas City, like you were saying, the worst record right now in Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll have to see, but, yeah, I, I got no cap. We got two no caps on that one. Our next one being Lando Parker. He has a trade scenario going on right here. Okay, okay. Very interesting. Detroit sends Matt Boyd, left-handed starting pitcher. I think Astro fans have heard of about Matt Boyd a long time ago in trade packages and things like that when it was a deadline. And another pitcher being Jose Cisneros, right-handed guy. Houston will give away Luis Baez, right fielder, and Julio Robena, who is a right-handed pitcher. He also continues to say, arguably an overpay for two rentals, but Detroit is looking to try and be reloaded for their retool. Angel, what are we going with? I say cap. I mean, I don't think Boyd is a good. Uh, yeah, he he come out the bullpen. He has that bull starting, uh, starting experience, but I just don't see the Astros making a trade with Detroit. But I mean, that would be a good. I do agree it would be an overpay, um, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. For some reason, I'm kind of leaning towards no cap with this one. I don't know why. I, I I think Matt Boy could really bring something to Houston. I mean, it's another lefty, too, if you think about it. We already got Framber. The Astros got Framber, but bringing in another lefty wouldn't be bad. And you're going, throwing a guy out like a Luis Baez, um, an outfielder that we have a lot of outfield depth. I mean, I don't have to remind people the depth and the roster and the farm systems that we have, but I, I think it'd be a, I, I don't think it'd be an overpay for two rentals. If anything, it makes I feel like it could make the Astros a little bit better okay. because of the depth. So, not a bad one. I mean, that was pretty good, honestly. I, I got, I'll go with no cap on that one. But you want to read the next one? Sure. Uh, this is from at Space Cow Cowboy NSL. He says Chaz, JJ, Salazar, Lee, Bly, Blanco, and Seth could be all can be all moved to go to to go after a big fish. Leon and Durden maybe, but they haven't splashed enough to bring the value that we'll need. Chaz is a quality outfielder, utility man that will bring value. Blanco starting pitcher or right or relief pitcher capability as well. What do you think? I mean, there's a lot of mixes on this. I got a little bit of cap. I got a little bit of no cap on these. Um, okay, for the first one, Bly Madras, I, I see him moving. I see Corey Lee moving because... Dana Brown has already said that Yiner Diaz is going to be the future of the catching position. JJ Marievich, it could be another guy that's going to be on the move. Seth Martinez, I really like him, but he's another guy that could be on the move for a big fish. So I agree with that one. I do see no cap on that. Leon and Durden, maybe, but they haven't splashed enough to bring the value that we need. That's kind of true because remember, Pedro Leon's coming back from an injury, and Justin Dearden had a great spring training. Um, 
I, I maybe one of those guys would be in a, a trade package deal. I don't think Pedro Leon because I feel like the Astros are very confident in his uh, playmaking abilities. Justin Dearden had a great spring. That doesn't mean that he's going to have a good regular season. So possibly Chaz is a quality outfield utility that will bring value. He would bring value, but I think the Astros are not going to deal him. So I'll go cap with that one. And then Blanco starting pitching or relief pitching capability as well. I cap on that because I think I feel like Dana Brown loves Ronel Blanco so much. So yeah, there's no way he's getting dealt. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like uh, Blanco is like one of those untouchable, uh, like, tra- like you know, potential trade pieces that I don't think he'll get dealt. I agree with you that Chaz will not get dealt as well. Now, for Salazar's case, it's kind of hard because I feel like it, he would have to be like the third edition of a trade. Like, like he won't be the main piece just because. Um, and all like major league teams haven't seen enough of Salazar because again those bats in the major at the major league level are hard to are hard to come find. Um, Seth Martinez, um, if you can get a better relief pitcher, I think he'll get dealt. Uh, same thing with JJ Matter, uh, Javesh, I think he can provide some um, like some assistance to another team. So I think he can get dealt, mm-hmm. but. Other than that, I don't see Corey Lee getting dealt. I don't see. Wow, you don't not see Corey Lee getting dealt. It's just it's just a thing where Maldonado is, uh, you know, he's already older, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just like, how long is he going to be there? So Lee, I I think he does finish his career though with Houston, and I do not think he will be upset or anything like that if Yiner Diaz does get the catching role next year and they bring Maldonado back okay. for another year for him just to be, you know, kind of like the mentor guy for these young players. You see, and if they don't bring Maldonado back, then that's why you have Lee and Yiner Diaz where, like in that case, I feel like there'll be a platoon over there, but Diaz can play DH, can play first base. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been taking a lot more reps at first base. Um, I think it, um, I think he played one game at first base. Actually, he has. He has. Mm-hmm. Um, on Wednesday, he was taking reps with Abreu at first base. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard. I feel like he would have to be this major superstar in in order for Lee to get out. I think that's what. I'm so, like, I'm, I'm just gonna throw a scenario real quick. We don't have to go in too much depth. Shane Bieber coming back. This is the funny part because Cleveland dealt a catcher being Yiner Diaz and look how Diaz is right now. He's already in the major leagues. Do you see a Shane Bieber and Corey Lee? Would you be able to do something around there? You think it was Shane Bieber? Yeah. Like, again, it has to be like a, like a, like a superstar. So a big fish, basically how he said it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, but it's hard. It's hard, but you know, (laughs) I kind of contradicted myself on there, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, That that was a big cab and no cab right there. Big time on the, on them uh, for, Comments that he had mentioned, but our last one being Dominic Seifert. I hope I said his name right. Uh, his last name right. He says, "If we get Brantley back, I don't think we really need a bat. We do need pitching." Uh, I'm gonna go cap with this one. I think if they do have Brantley back, still, I think they're still gonna add another batter, another hitter. You, I think Dana Brown just said it out of his mouth that they want a left-handed batter, like you were saying, a left-handed hitter. Um, it could possibly a Cody Bellinger, which I don't know how Astros fans and the Astros clubhouse would be, a, you know, really appreciated about that. But you got a guy like a Jock Peterson, which if you remember in 2021, I mean, he helped the Braves win a World Series. Uh, I mean, Eddie Rosario is another guy, but he's with the Braves. I can't really think of any other left-handed hitters at the moment. 
unless Josh Bell, I think he has a player option. I think he signed a two-year contract with a player option his second year. So I'm not too, I'm not 100 sure about that, but I do cap on that one. We do need pitching, though. I do agree, but the biggest thing what he said was if we get Bradley back, I don't think we really need that. I, I think the Astros are still going to find a way to get another bat. Yeah, I say cap on this one as well. Um, just how you're mentioning the Astros are targeting a lefty pitcher, but then it's like once Bradley comes back, it's like yeah, that's great, but he's been out for so long. It's yeah, like, you just what, don't know what Bradley are we getting? Like, mm-hmm. or what Bradley are the Astros getting? Like, like are getting the Bradley that is consistent or that is going to get on base, or are they getting a new, like a more older Bradley who's going to struggle? And then you know, it's just that that's. That's the thing we do, that we don't know, right? So yeah, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it's very difficult because if the Astros could get the Michael Brantley that's been in Houston for a good while, hitting over three hundred, hitting contact, you know, hitting the gaps and hitting the you know pole to pole, by all means, that's that's a great sign, great numbers right there. But if Dana Brown said he's going to go after a left-handed hitter, and this is going to be Dana Brown's first trade deadline experience as a GM. I do believe he will go get a left-handed hitter. But, Angel, you got any cab or no cab you want to throw out real quick? Nah, I can't think of one right now. I can't think of one either. I think just left-handed. I feel like for the Astros trade deadline, as of right now, like we had talked about last episode with the early kind of predictions, you got to go after a left-handed hitter or even a power bat. being a power, Yeah, power slugger. You really think? Okay, so one, one. okay, I actually do have a cab, no cab. Do the Astros trade Ryan Stanek? I don't think so. Don't Ryan Stanek is on his last year of his contract with the Astros, and he has yet to pitch a lot of innings like how he did last year for them. Well, with Preston struggling, you can probably see a bump in that. You think so? You see, that's why maybe a reliever came to mind is because Presley has been struggling. Like, and, mm-hmm. if, and if that continues throughout the season, then that's something they need to fix. Address. Yeah. I get you. I get you on that. But no, that was mine. Um, on that, I, I think I'll go no cap. I feel like they will trade him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, could be. You know, I feel like once the trade uh, that I had like is getting near, you know, anything's possible. So, again, think back to that Verlander trade, right, where no one saw it coming. Yeah. You know, so, or even the Grinky one throwing out our whole farm system for him. Yeah. But we will have a tread deadline special like we did last year. We'll have a part one and a part two as it gets closer nice. to the end of July. But that is all we have for tonight, Angel. I don't. I, do you have anything else that you want to add before we sign off? No, thank you for listening and, you know, take care of yourself. Have a good weekend. Happy Father's Day to other fathers out there. I know we'll, uh, we'll record Sunday, but by the time you hear it, Monday. So happy Father's Day out there to all the dads out there. Yeah, like you said, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Have a magnificent weekend. It's the weekend. Y'all got to go celebrate. Oh, and happy Father's Day to all the mothers who play both parts as well. Oh, exactly. Huge part. I think we can speak for both of us on that. But continue to follow us at Full Seam Ahead on Twitter at TikTok. Uh, podcast platforms, you got Google, Spotify, and Apple. And continue to subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Uh, we're still getting into that. But that is all the time we have for tonight. Thank you for listening to us. Y'all be safe out there for this weekend. We will talk to y'all, recap the series, and talk about that preview against the New York Mets. See you guys. See you. Peace.